Hey, Corey here, and this is Everything is Marketing. Other marketing podcasts might give you the highlight reel or focus on a particular industry, strategy, or tactic, but this podcast explores marketing from every angle and allows you to get inside the head of the guest to really understand who they are and how they think. Savicale is a new scheduling tool that removes the strange power dynamics of sharing or scheduling link. While most scheduling tools definitely make your life easier, they can still be inconvenient for the person you're sending your link to. So with the ability to create personalized links and allow recipients to overlay their calendar right on top of yours, that strange power dynamic can be a thing of the past. Create a free account at SavvyCal.com EIM and also get your first month of a paid account free by using the code EIM. On the show today is Greg Dignio. Greg is the founder of Content Guppy and also the previous content marketer at Time Doctor, where he focused on their annual conference running remote. I wanted to bring him on because he took traffic to running remote from zero to 10,000 plus visitors per month as a one-person marketing team. You'll hear about how to use welcome emails to seed content ideas, an SEO strategy that takes just 30 minutes each day, and the seven-step content development strategy he follows for every single one of his clients now. To start out, did you ever think that you'd be doing content marketing for a living? Absolutely not. <laughs> I actually went to school to be an engineer. So when I was like 18, 19, you know, 20 years old or whatever, my my future was like some mid-level engineer at like Lockheed Martin or something like that. Interesting. Like that's what I, that, yeah, that's that's what I sort of that that was sort of like the the trajectory of of where I was headed for and nothing that not that there's anything wrong with that at all. It's a great career. I a lot of my classmates did that, but that's where I thought I was going my entire life. Hmm. So, yeah. So what changed? I started a company in college with one of my best friends, and uh, I just fell in love with entrepreneurship. And uh, what happened was it was a solar panel company. So it was, te- it was a tech company. We were both electrical engineers. And so we were uh, designing, installing, and you know setting up solar panel systems circa 2003, 2004. And one of us had to do the marketing stuff and the other had to do the like operation stuff. And so I, I, at the time I probably drew a short straw because we were both, like I said, engineers, none of us knew anything about business (laughs) or marketing. And so I drew the marketing side of it and I just fell in love with, with, with sales, marketing and business development and things like that. So I have not looked back since from a from an engineering standpoint. I love it. Yeah, from yeah, electrical so. engineer to to marketer. So walk me through like what's the, what's the timeline of how you got to where you are today? Uh, sure. So like I said, two thousand three or two thousand four, I forget which. We started a, the solar panel company, and we ran that for about f- four years, I would say. Three or three years we ran that, and then I exited. And uh, I tried a job in corporate America for two years, and that was not for me. So uh, after that, um, I built a, I built like a consultancy slash agency for a, quite for about seven, six or seven years. So that's 2008. I, I left corporate America. Six or seven years, I was doing like marketing consulting, which was basically me with like I don't know an army of 15 freelancers. And mm-hmm. about 2015, I burned out. And I took a job as a content marketer at a company called Time Doctor, who was a client of mine, and uh, which, like, I leveled up my my con- I leveled up my marketing game so much working there, that it was such a it was it was such a, a huge fortuitous event in my life just going with those guys, 
And then in February, I was very amicably fired. <laughs> my, basically, my time, like my time was up. Um, they knew my time was up. I knew my time was up. I was there for comfort. And, you know, they were just nice enough to let me go with a nice severance. And then I started, uh, I launched Content Guppy, uh, which is what I'm working on right now. So it's a, another marketing agency. So, yeah, that's what that's I love it. I right back right to it. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, if you fail once, you try again, I guess. Yeah, and get back up. <laughs> I want to. I want to go back to you as a time doctor for a second, if we can. What were all the things that you were you were doing? Like what you, you mentioned that you leveled up a ton. Like what were the things that you were learning and growing and experimenting with? Oh, so I didn't. I so first of all, I avoided SEO up until I started working at Time Doctor, and then mm. even when I started, we didn't have an SEO program in place. Uh, we actually in, installed one. We actually like brought in a consultant named Emil. Uh, shower. I'm gonna. Sorry, Emil. I'm gonna kill your name. And yeah, and, I know Emil. Yeah, everybody knows Emil. And he came in and he was like, "Here's here's how to do, you know, here's how to do SEO." And uh, after that, I just kind of took it and ran with what he was doing. And then uh, some of the other stuff that I was doing, like I was doing some email marketing, some outreach for partnerships and things like that. And then in about December of 2019, we launched a conference called Running Remote, and I did the marketing for, for Running Remote, which was SEO, email marketing, conversion rate optimization, stuff like that. So I got to do a whole lot of stuff, and then, and then we kind of, in, in the blink of an eye, I started, when I started at the company, we were doing a million in revenue, and then in the blink of an eye, we were at like 10 to 12 million in revenue, wow. and yeah, so over those five years, we and of course, unfortunately for for the rest of the world, COVID played a big role in like the remote work space, and that's where we were remote work, and it started to feel more like corporate America again, and I became a little bit a little bit complacent, unhappy, and yeah, so that's kind of where it ended. Um, yeah. But for a while there, you were you were doing yeah. all the marketing for running remote, which was an in-person conference. Conference, right? correct. And when yeah. I st and when I started at um, Time Doctor, I mean, it was literally like me, a, a guy named Liam who's a CMO, and a dude named Carlo, and uh, the three of us. Like our mandate every day was find ways to get users, and it was just awesome because we could, like, we didn't have a huge budget, but we could just go out and like figure something else out. We could just explore, experiment play around with like copy, go and, you know, try to do a partnership with somebody, do a web, whatever it was that we thought could have happened. Like that's what we did. And it was just mm -hmm. like, it was so much fun. What, what were the things that worked? So SEO did work like that. <laughs> that blog gets about 400. Yeah. That blog gets about 450,000 visitors a month when I left in February. And so that was, you know, converted into like eight to 10,000 trials a month. So, um, you know, that was one thing. Partnerships worked a lot. Doing web co-webinars with people. There was a point in time where one of us on the team was doing a web event, either a podcast, a webinar, some sort of interview, something like that a week. So one of us was do like once a week we were doing a thing like that because that just works so well, uh, especially in the mm -hmm. early days. And then the other thing that did work, and another guy, Igor, who joined us later, launched the, I mean, we had the freedom to launch a, an entire conference based off of remote work. And uh, that took off and it has really helped with the brand and all that stuff as well. So 
those were just some of the things that really worked well. And, and eventually we just doubled down on those three or four things. Yeah, I love it. I want to dig into each one of those if we can yeah, just a little sure. bit. But for SEO, I think that for a lot of people are probably interested in, you know, how do you get to that amount of uh, scale? Like, were you writing them all? Like, what was like the process that got you to 450,000 visitors a month? Okay, so I so we started out with, like I said, it was like three or four of us. And we were writing a, a piece of content, an SEO con- piece of content every week we were publishing and then we were building links to it but the but the key for us was we we doubled down on people on outreach and link builders and things like that so Hmm. we had an entire i mean i don't like it was nine people at one point in time I, i it's probably bigger now who were just focused on link building so where others other companies are focused on creating content we we focused a ton of our resources on link building and promotion so that was like the one thing that uh, we really did. And then the other thing was like, it's just consistently, it's just consistently putting out an article, two articles. I mean, now I think they're put, now Time Doctor, when I left, was putting out 40 articles a week, a month, I'm sorry, a month. So it's basically scaling up and hiring more writers and hiring more like editors and things like that and just kind of, kind of building out the team. But so that's really how you scale it is consistency and then just more just grinding away and then adding more people to grind away. So that's what we were able to do. Yeah. And that link building piece is interesting. Uh, when you mentioned that you have nine people working on that, are they quite literally just, those are nine people that are like email outreaching and like what, what, what did it look like in practice? So we would have, my numbers are going to be a little off, but let's say two or three people who were who were just finding research, uh, who were finding link building opportunities, right? Hmm. So then a person, then a, a person who was in e- doing email would outreach to those each of those opportunities. So and then each person was doing you know a couple hundred a week, that kind of thing at, at that scale. So that's how that worked. And uh, so what would happen was is each like each link builder would be assigned an article and their job was to get, you know, HRFs or, or most of these tools will say, you know, you need 10 links or 20 links in order to rank in the top 10. And so their goal was to basically go and say, you know, get 20 links or however, the, whatever the requisite number of links was to rank in the top 10. And then we would go from there like, hey, you know, is this article... Where is this article at 10? Do we need more links? Or is this article at 25? And how do we get it to 10? You know, that kind of thing. How do we get it in the top 10? So, hmm. yeah. But that's kind of how that worked. Yeah, that's it, a big it, one. I mean, link building is hard because I feel like there's a lot of polarizing opinions about it. And do you need it? Do you not need it? The importance of backlinks and the quality of backlinks. Like, do you have any thoughts around ways to do it the right way versus the wrong way? um so the right so the wrong way worked a really well back in 2015 and 16 like you could do one of those like hey Corey, i saw your article on you know whatever you've linked to my competitor would you mind linking to me instead and that back in 2015 16 17 even had a pretty high conversion rate you know like six seven percent conversion rate that's not the case at all anymore. <laughs> Most industries, especially like the marketing industry, the marketing industry especially, they're like so jaded with when it comes to right. link building. 
my, my number one way to build links right now is through relationships. So mm-hmm. who do I who do I know? Who can I reach out to and things like that? And that's really like my number one way. The second best way is through guest posting, right? So you're giving a piece of va- you're giving value to the to the person with whom you want to acquire a link. And then the third, my third favorite way, I'm actually coming stumbling upon this now, is podcast guesting, right? <laughs> Which is actually yeah. even easier than guest posting because all you got to do is show up with like a you know prepared you know storyline and have a host ask you questions and you get a link back to your site. So mm-hmm. give value. So build relationships. That's the first thing, and then after that, start to figure out how could I build value to this person, and you know to get a link. And the easiest two ways right now are guest posting and 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 then podcasts, get, getting on podcasts and things like that. So I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, your email was one of the first, or yeah, maybe one of the first and only. Uh, ones that actually responded to sort of like pitching yourself oh, for wow. the podcast. And so I appreciate it. But walk me through like, what you know, what was your process like for identifying everything's marketing as one of the podcasts you wanted to go on? So, I mean, I follow you on Twitter and I knew that you were, I knew of you, even though you, I, I'm not big on Twitter. So even though you didn't know of me, I knew of you and I knew of your show. So I was, I was a, a loose listener at the time. And so I just thought like, this is going to be a, I thought this would be great for me and I thought that it would I would be able to add value to your audience. Like so so how could I add value to your audience is basically the number one question that I needed to answer. Hmm. And so I mean so I, I can't ex- remember the exact email that I sent, but but basically it was like the first thing you want to do is create some sort of like hook. So everybody's going to say to everybody's going to give you an email like, Hey, Corey, I would love to be a guest on your podcast, blah, blah, right? Like that's, yep. you get that a hundred times a day. So the, the way to be different is just to like, to prove that you've actually listened to the podcast and then also even took value out of it. So if I pr- demonstrate that you've given me value, right? whether you know it or not, that probably flattered you in some way, shape or form. So what I did was I think I listened to uh, a podcast with Benji and yep. he was talking about a tactic. And I said, Hey, Corey, I love the podcast with Benji. I've actually implemented this tactic and it works really well. And then I showed you proof that I've implemented the tactic, right? If, if I can remember correctly, exactly what yeah, I said. It was with the uh, comparison, yeah, yeah, the, comparison pages. Y'all, yeah, the comparison pages, correct. And, and so I did, and so I, I've implemented that and then I said, and then I gave a very specific ask. I said, you know, would you like me to come onto your show and teach your audience how to do SEO when you don't have a whole lot of time? And so it was a very, very specific ask with a very specific topic. And then you said yes. So that was that was it. But like but magic. you can't you have yeah, like it took me it took me about an hour to write that email. It was only maybe 50 to 100 words or so, but it took me an hour or so to, it maybe even longer because I had to really kind of think about what am I going to, what would be my, what would be a good hook? What would be a good ask? And that kind of thing. So yeah, you just going around and saying, Hey, could you, would you like to have me on your podcast? Signed Greg. That's just not going to work anymore in any capacity, whether it's link building guest posting, podcasting, whatever it is. Yeah, it has to be personalized. Well, I appreciate that. 
Yeah, I thought it was a great pitch, and we'll get to. I, I'm sure you're going to get. Uh, a, I hope you don't get a hundred pitches now, or maybe I hope you do. I don't. I don't know. Whichever you prefer. I already do, so <laughs> it won't make a difference. <laughs> but I hope they get better. Yeah. yeah, hopefully, right? I'll send them out to this episode. Say, hey, you know, come back and uh, pitch me again once you listen to this episode, and leave me a review too. One of the other things you mentioned was on partnerships, on sort of yes. co-marketing, you know, webinars, podcasts, stuff like that. I'm particularly in, interested in the things that are maybe not traditional, like doing a webinar or doing like, what, what were some of the other types of partnership things? You know, was it like speaking opportunities or what was the weekly cadence for you guys? So, you know what, before I get into the weekly cadence for that, I'll give you a non-traditional partnership opportunity. Yeah, yeah. It was on my personal blog. So it's, it's not, t- it's, it's on contentgubby.com, not my personal blog. I'm sorry. So it's, so back in, August, let's say 2019, I wanted to launch a blog. I maybe had like five articles. I had 50 maybe email subscribers, maybe if I was lucky and absolutely no traffic. So, you know, how do you, how did I come up and how did I get traffic to the blog was like the number one question. And the, the answer was through a partnership, through a content partnership. And so what I did was I started out with a topic called Evergreen Funnels. And I forgot how I chose that topic, but I started, but I, but I came up with that topic idea. And the first draft I wrote of that article was, you know, just me creating an evergreen funnel on a blog post and, you know, like here's email one, here's email two, so on and so forth. And after that, I kind of scrapped that idea and I said, you know, how do I get readers? And what I did was I found a friend of mine uh, named Amy Crane. And she has a an ever a really successful evergreen funnel. I think it was bringing in six figures at the time just on evergreen through Facebook advertising. So I approached Amy and I said, "Hey, Amy, could I write about your evergreen funnel? I'll break it down. I'm going to be you know exposing all of your emails. I'll share why what works, what doesn't work, and all that good stuff." And she said, "Absolutely." So I wrote like a five or six thousand word blog post. It sounds longer than it is because you know I, I literally copied and pasted her emails into my post and sent it over to her and she's like oh my gosh you make me sound like a genius and mm-hmm. then she shared it with her her very engaged list of like ten thousand people and her very engaged Facebook community of like four thousand people and I had and I wound up getting a couple hundred email subscribers and a couple thousand visitors from that one blog post just because I came up with that quote unquote partnership opportunity. And Mm. the cool thing about that is anybody could do it, whether you're just getting started or you are just, or or you just need some traffic or whatever. But those kinds of things work very well all the time and you're going to get a link. (laughs) So if you want to know, want to know how else to get links. So yeah, but back going her, Yeah, go ahead. For her in particular, do you think that that works because that kind of content was, you know, obviously it was uh, relevant for her audience. Like I'm assuming she's kind of in like the um, make money online space. Like, you know, I don't know what kind of product she builds, but like teaching other people sort of online business, like it wouldn't, that wouldn't work across the board. It's just like, Hey, let me do a teardown of your business. And then you share it with your audience because that might not be what their audience wants. That actually, no, that is, that is actually that it could work again. I actually did, just did it recently for another quote unquote partnership. So a company like this wouldn't work for a company like Ahrefs who gets written about all the time, right? But there was another company called growthbar.com uh, or something like that. And they just launched an Ahrefs competitor. 
So what I did was, is I wrote a blog post around. I actually had a blog post on my site called Content Development, and I I used Ahrefs Images. And so what happened was, is I approached them or and said, "Hey, you have a a post that's ranking on. It was like top three or five for for the keyword content marketing agency. If I write a blog post, if I change my blog post up and talk about growth bar in my my content development post, which by the way has 83 links to it, so I'm trying to rank it. And would you be able to put my agency, feature my agency in your in in your post about content marketing agencies? And they said yes, absolutely. So mm-hmm. now I get I get about 10 to 15 visitors a day from that one link now because I'm sixth on the post because their top five were sponsors. And uh, and so I think I've gotten two or three leads already from that one one partnership and all i did was mm. i changed my blog post so it'll work no matter what but yes you're right so there's a couple criteria i find that works really well first is you have to tailor you're right you have to tailor your blog post around what they want to what their audience wants to hear right so same thing about coming on a podcast like i wouldn't come on this podcast and talk about growing tomatoes because that wouldn't make sense <laughs> so i you know you come on and talk about marketing because that's what you're which your audience wants to hear. And then the other thing that really has to happen is they can't be like, if you're, especially if you're just starting out, they can't be too large, right? They, they're like, like I said, Ahrefs wouldn't, that would not have worked with them because again, they get written, they get free press, they get blog posts written about and linked back all the time to their tool. They're spoiled. Exactly. They're very spoiled, but you know, they, they earned it. But if you go to a, a smaller competitor to Ahrefs, and talk about SEO, then they might just be on board and say, "Hey, yeah, I'll do that, absolutely." Hmm. So yeah. no, that, I like that. So that's your so that's your criteria, I think. I like that a lot. Yeah, I think that the partnerships bit is it can be a little bit difficult to parse through at first because it feels like, oh, well, I could do anything with anyone, and let me just start like building like a campaign with like a specific ask, and then just like blast it out. But like you said, if you really understand what that that what would be valuable for that person what do they right. want to share with their audience or what can i leverage exactly. in order to get something you know that they that they have that i want basically it, it, yes like so so everybody starts with with what can you do for me and if you start with what could i do for you and then say hey could you also do this for me you're going to be yeah. way more successful yeah and then yeah, like, like it has to, like i said it has to make sense for them as well mhm yeah, that's a big one. Yeah. I have to also ask about the conference. Yes. Uh, I feel like marketing a conference is like not the thing that you talk about any any other day. Like I want to like add this to the catalog of topics that we've covered and things yep. that we can, you know, that I can point people to. So what, what what's it like bringing in attention, subscribers, you know, people actually mm-hmm. buying tickets to a conference? Like what is the marketing plan for a conference? So the... Uh, so the first year, basically, the marketing plan is, to, so we've been in, like, so Time Doctors was in the remote workspace for, for by the time we launched a conference in 2016 or 17, for seven, eight years-ish, give or take, right? So we weren't starting from scratch from that standpoint. So so I just yeah. want to be, you know, the quick caveat before I tell you, just go find speakers. But really, the answer is just go find popular speakers. <laughs> so that's your really? best. Yeah, that's your best leverage. Find people who can who can speak and have an audience 
is what one of our best best levers was for especially in the beginning when we were just getting started and had no traction or uh, notability or anything like that. So, you know, early on, we had the CEO of Doist come on to the show, was like, was a featured uh, presenter. And Doist has a pretty big community. And so that moved quite a few seats and tickets and was able to help us with sponsorships and things like that. Mm. So that is basically the, the answer is find good speakers <laughs> who have a community and are willing to promote to their community. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. I, I feel like I should have seen that coming. But it's still a little bit surprising that that was like sort of the the main driver. Do you think that that is still true or that that's true kind of across the board or that it depends based on the type of, you know, because like, again, we're in marketing, but I guess remote is a little bit different. Like do us is kind of the productivity space, but I think that kind of works across the board of like, you know, big speakers bring the audience. Yes, I do. Hmm. I really, I really think that. I think that's why guys like Gary Vaynerchuk make a ton of money to speak because they bring in tickets, they sell tickets to the yeah. conference. Yep, absolutely. I took Okay, so, well. Yeah, <laughs> that's I, I wish, it. I wish there amazing. was more. I wish there was more <laughs> uh, to it than that, but that, but like, you know, then we then afterwards after we got up and running and after we had like speakers again to give us the credibility and things like that, we then went out and we did things like SEO and paid advertising and things so that way we mm. can grow attendance to the conference and finally you know you can sell more more money and make more money in sponsorships and stuff like that so right yeah. right yeah so for the speakers themselves are you are you saying hey you know will you please share this with your email list with your community with your you know whatever it is that they have uh, and then you give them a discount you give them free tickets is there uh, like what's kind of the playbook around actually getting them to share so sometimes we gave an affiliate uh, link uh, especially for the so so the one conference was was the, the, so once COVID hit the conferences were online and free for attendees, but when they were in person it was a charge of let's say you know the average ticket price was like six hundred bucks, so we would give an affiliate link and things like that for them to share. Other people just shared. We one time we literally just email. I don't remember if he got an affiliate link or not, but we emailed like Ryan Hoover and he just shared it on Twitter and that sold like 20 tickets. So mm-hmm. that was, again, like year one, two, 20 tickets for us was a lot of money for, for that one conference, which was a side project essentially. Again, I don't remember if we gave him an affiliate but link or not. But yeah, he just shared like I said, and then, and then, we, then once, we, once we had that, like the speaker list, we leveraged that to on Facebook and on Facebook advertising and things like that. So, you know, when you don't have any brand equity, you leverage what you do have and the speakers had the brand equity. So it was kind of like, come see uh, the CEO of do a speak, come see, I think one year we had Neil Patel, come see Neil Patel speak, come see whoever it was speak, you know, Um, you know, now that now I think this in May, they have like, there's an event in May and like now they have like this chief people officer of Pixar and things like that. So, it's kind of mm-hmm. grown up a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're leveling up for sure. I'd yeah. say. Uh, I'm sure that comes with a hefty, yeah. hefty sticker price. Mm-hmm. Well, let's move on to content guppy sure. and 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 content marketing. But like, so maybe we can start here. Like, what are you doing differently the second time around? Uh, so the first time around, I did everything: website development, email right, email marketing, copywriting, all the uh, every, like you name it. I did it. I did, I never said no. 
And the reason was because it was just supposed to be like me as a consultant doing like interesting projects and somehow it kind of blew up. Um, so now I, with, I have a lot more foresight now into what do I want this to become in two, three, five years. And so the first thing I, I've been doing now is I stick only to SEO focused content, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the, and then the second thing that I did was I took a process that I built, that we built. And then I kind of it from uh, Time Doctor and Running Remote, and I've kind of just kept iterating and iterating and iterating, and now it's like just a one hundred percent refined piece of like process. Yeah, yeah, that's great to know. I mean, yeah. So, so basically, like focus <laughs> is basically right. the thing that I'm doing. So the question. <laughs> so it's, now I ask myself, how could I get out of doing this work versus I have more work to do? If that makes sense. Yeah, that, no, exactly. That, yeah. yeah, so trying that's to get big, it off your plate instead of handle more. Um, yeah, yourself. like you know, what is that cliche? Like work on your business, not in it. So mm -hmm. you know, as as cliche as that is, that's kind of like the big difference. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a huge what, one. Yeah, what could I delegate? What could I outsource? What could I just not you know, so that way I could keep growing. Yeah, so what, I want to talk about the process. I'm assuming that's maybe even parallel to kind of what you, you have uh, outlined the seven step content development strategy, but like what's, what's the philosophy to content marketing? Like walk me through the process and the thing that you walk through with clients to get the results. Sure. So I'll, I'll say this, there's, there's, I think there's two types of content before we get started. There's like yeah. thought leadership content, which is kind of what we're doing here. And then there's like conversion content or SEO content, like business, build a business type of content, whatever you want to call it. And what we what we specialize mostly in is build your business type of content. You know, there are ways that we help you like, you know, become a thought leader, but that's not the number one goal. Like the number one goal for our our content is to generate leads. And so the first so I'll just walk through right it's actually five steps instead of seven at the moment, but but basically the well the pre step is like what's your strategy? So like, you know, building like identifying what pieces of content are going to be at the top of the funnel and what pieces of content are going to be at the bottom of the funnel. And to do that, we start with like, we have eight content archetypes. And uh, so we start with one of those content, those content archetypes and we sort of organize them around like, okay, this is going to work for your bottom of the funnel. This is going to be good for your top of the funnel so on and so forth. So, you know, going back to what we were talking about with the comparison articles, like a comparison article, you're comparing your tool to a competitor's tool or whatever is very bottom of the funnel content versus mm -hmm. something like how to how to get how to get press or how to get the somebody to feature you in a, a particular publication much more top of the funnel kind of stuff so that is where we start and then after that we do keyword research use and uh you know we find our goal especially if you're get, getting started is to find ways where we can give you where you can get a win within the net within like four months and by a win i mean like an article's ranking in the top 10. so we don't we try to avoid like the most competitive type of articles at first until you know we've kind of built up some momentum and, and traffic and things like that and uh, so that's really like where we spend a lot of our first three months is is building out the, a base of articles to get you traffic and some a foot a foothold so to speak into your industry and going from there 
and building up. So the content is designed to both get traffic and also convert again. By, by the way, really quick, uh, quick tangent. I know so many people are going to be like, how do you get it to convert? Like use pop-ups and stuff like that. Like, yes, we use pop-ups, but I will tell you the number one way to get traffic to convert is by the type of content that you're writing. So mm. that is, and I can get, we can get more in specific into that, but that is basically the number one way to uh, get people to buy from you is f- just from a sheer content marketing standpoint. Does that, so the type of content, do you mean like it's one of those kind of eight content archetypes or is it more like user intent or? So no, the content archetypes don't always fit within that, within the buyer intent. For instance, like, let's say, like, just use me as an example. I run a marketing, a content marketing agency. Okay. So one of my content archetypes is a tools post. Okay. And what I would do is. All right, what what tools do marketers use? And there's email marketing software, there's SEO software, there's blog, there's CMS software, and so on and so forth. Let's say I was writing about email marketing software, like that's not a post that's going to convert well. It's going to get marketers to my site, but it's not going to convert well to people who want to buy SEO, right? But you know, an SEO and a tool about a tools post about SEO is going to convert much higher. So mm-hmm. that kind of thing is what I'm talking about. Yeah, so, more just like the type of people that you're bringing onto the site, right? It's the type of people and then what are they looking for when they buy, get there? Hmm. Yeah. So what is their what is their frame of mind when they when they when they arrive? And it's it's hard to explain. So here here's another thing that I that here's another post that I could It's for like free timesheet templates, okay? So we wrote this at Time Doctor. One of our features within the app was is a timesheet as like a timesheet software timesheet template like you just keep track of time for employees so we created this post called free timesheet templates and we drove a a lot of visitors to it we went through the process we drove like to get seven to ten thousand visitors a month that kind of thing and a small percentage of those people are going to say hey i don't want to do this manually anymore with your timesheet templates let me just buy the app right so they come so most of the people come in with the mindset of I just want this free thing and then there's a still a small percentage of people that say let me I want to I want to pay right and so we would get like 10 to 50 users a month from that one uh, article mm-hmm. but then if you're but like you know let's say you're doing another one is like toggle alternatives which is a competitor of ours right an alternatives post that person is looking to buy something like today because they are unhappy with their current solution, or they've heard of Toggle, they've heard bad things about it, and they are still looking to buy something else, right? So that that post doesn't get a ton of traffic, but they convert really well, again, because that person is looking to buy right now. Yeah, yeah. So. No, that, that makes that makes perfect sense. I love that. The one of the other bits that I think that was intriguing was around keyword research and sort of how you find different ones. I also saw in that process that you mentioned uh, using welcome emails to kind of seed ideas. Can you talk me through like how do you find ideas and just like think outside of the box to find sort of long tail or maybe less competitive opportunities? So, so yeah, the welcome email is a great one because I think it gets open like 75% of the time or something like that, or, or mine does. Most of them get open fairly. It's the most opened email. So just literally ask people, what do you want to learn more about? And they'll tell mm-hmm. you. Or what's your biggest challenge right now with regards to content marketing, with regards to whatever it is that you're, you're in, 
with regards to managing a remote team and you'll get you'll 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 get like you know it's probably like three to five percent of the people respond it's it's not like a huge number but you know that's one way to get content ideas and then the second one is facebook groups are such a treasure trove of content ideas because that's where everybody goes to ask questions like hey how do you do x or you know I'm using this tool. Is there any other? I don't really like it. Is there another? Is there something better? And then you can see what the people, what the comments are of the people who like them, who like other tools, right? Or it's like, you know, I'm trying to learn how to use Mailchimp. Does anybody have a good tutorial for that? And all of a sudden, you're like, hey, Mailchimp tutorial, right? <laughs> like, yep. that's maybe let's let's see if there's any search volume around that. And so you just go through these these Facebook groups, and you're just like, oh my gosh, like there's so much content ideas through, throughout these throughout the groups. And join like when when you do this, don't just if you're in SaaS or whatever, don't just join SaaS groups. Join like shoulder industries. And you'll like your your get out of your echo chamber, in other words, and your mind is just going to be blown away, mm-hmm. like it's because you don't even realize the problems that people have, that because you're so you have such a curse of knowledge, so yeah, that that's kind of that that's the biggest one I would do is join Facebook groups to find keyword i to find topic ideas. And yeah. yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I mean, Facebook groups, Slack groups, Reddit as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, kind of like niche forums or mm-hmm. places where people ask questions, even Quora. Sometimes. But like, but, for, yeah. but like I, I'm pretty like, I'm not super tech savvy, but I'm tech savvy enough to where I take for granted things for granted. And I joined a group um, on, on marketing courses. I forgot the name of the group, but it's around online courses just to kind of see what's up. And the, the challenges that people have, it's basically like, you know, how do you set up a WordPress site with, you know, your, with Kajabi, right? Or whatever tool that they want to use, you know, like all these things where you're just like, well, why don't you just do this? But, you know, those, and you're, because I have that knowledge, or I have that like curse of knowledge. I didn't realize it was an issue until I see people like talking about this stuff. And I'm like, oh, wow, this, this is actually a big deal. Right. Yeah. Cause mm-hmm. the Christian knowledge really is so interesting for, I think content marketers too, because totally. you, you write about things all the time. You're like a sort of naturally curious person. You kind of like seen it all and you've done t- tons of keyword research, mm-hmm. but then you learn to kind of like overlook really basic things, especially where it's like, Oh, this is actually a really good opportunity. Or you want to kind of jump straight to like the ideal perfect scenario when, you know, there's maybe other scenarios or places or opportunities for you to create some great content that you wouldn't have thought of because it's like you said, it's uh, outside of what you normally think about. Right. Like being in an, being in any industry, it doesn't matter what you, when you, when most content marketers start writing, they start writing at like step C or D because Mm -hmm. because to them A and B is common knowledge. Whereas a person who's just coming into the industry or a new marketer or or whoever is like, well, wait, how did you get to step C? Where's A and B, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Very, very important. So, so get out of your echo chamber as fast as you possibly can (laughs) and see what else, see what people are asking about. I'm always, always preaching that. Well, one of the things also I'm speaking about Facebook groups and communities and stuff. How do you, do you, or, and if you do, how do you promote and sort of engage in a community in a way that isn't spammy? 
because I think a lot of people have already also kind of used that playbook of like, well, I'm just going to like drop my link in here or make a new post and be a part of these communities. And then, you know, magic happens, traffic starts coming through, but normally that stuff isn't allowed anymore. And, or at least it's, it's, a not, it's a lot more nuanced than it was before. So how do you think about it? I think about it like, again, what, think about it in this way. What do that, what does that person want in the group want to learn from you? So, and I'll give you a, in a productized service group and I'm basically building content guppy in, in public in that group. So I never promote content guppy specifically. I'm not saying, oh, here's what, um, you know, here's, you know, go to my website and sign up for my, my, my consulting or whatever. But I do say like, Hey, this month I'm going to do, you know, my latest update, for instance, was around processes, marketing, and and hiring. Okay, so I did the like that was what I updated the group with, and I said, you know, at the processes, you know, my here's my five steps. I have it boiled down. I was able to create all of my content briefs and you know all my uh, email outreach templates and everything like that. So you know, you I get them interested there, and then everybody in the group, well. Everybody in the group is like, well, now how do you get clients? And I know this. So <laughs> the second thing that I do is I just say, uh, here's how I'm getting clients. I'm getting clients through podcast outreach, SEO, and partnerships. And I go through, you know, very brief, like, you know, here's how to do that. And then, you know, here's who I'm hiring. Here's why I'm hiring them. That's kind of stuff. And, you know, people find that stuff valuable. And then a subsection of those people become leads for me. It's not like tons of leads, but you know, it's it's like two or three a month, which isn't terrible at all for not doing much work for it. But I think that's how I think about it. So what is the thing that you can share that is valuable to their audience? So if like I was in that Facebook marketing group with Amy that we were talking about before, I wouldn't talk about the process of my building my agency. I would talk about she, she does have a funnel program or people in there are eager about fu- to learn about funnels. So I would talk about my marketing funnel and things like that. And I would say, you know, here's my landing page. Here's my, here's my email outreach templates or here's my, you know, automated sequence, whatever it is. And, you know, that's it. Just leave it just at that. And then people will eventually sign up. So again, always start with what is it that they want to learn? Yeah, no, that's fantastic. Yeah. Did, did we cover the five steps already, or, or are we still? No, no, no. I think we're still in keyword three. research. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, so what's the next step? Walk me so through. after keyword research, we'll d- we do we we create the what do we do? Create the content brief. I'm sorry. So the content brief, honestly, like if you are in, uh, you're, if you're a one man show, like I was at at running remote, not time, not at time doctor, but at running remote, I was the only person doing marketing. The content brief is by far the most important part of the entire process. What you want to talk about in the content brief is who is the audience for, key points in the that you want to talk about in the article, give them some headline ideas, some subheadline ideas, incorporate the keywords that you want to feature in the in those things and, you know, give a a word count and things like that. So if you if you have those if you have those components in your content brief, it takes about a half hour to write, but it's well worth that effort to write a really good content brief because once you get to the next step, which is writing the article, whether you're writing it or you're having somebody else write it, you already know what's going to happen, right? So if you're outsourcing like I did, because again, I was the one man show, 
I the the writer never had any problems with okay here's what I here's what has to you know I have to do and things like that like I didn't get any questions back at first I did which is why I came up with a detailed content brief but once you get the content brief like the editing becomes easier you tell them where to link and all that good stuff and yeah so it just becomes much easier to get the to get the piece written so yeah that's the next step is uh, writing. Yeah, I mean, the brief is so overlooked. I think a lot of people think that, you know, hiring content writers or just content marketers even is, you know, you say, okay, here's like the thing, here's like the title, right? yes. here's like the thing that I want to write and like have at it, right? The, but it's a recipe for getting something that you hate. didn't want or something subpar possibly even. Yeah, and I learned that the hard way because I would get articles back and it would take me two and a half to three hours to fix them. And I'm like, I might as well just write these myself. <laughs> but if you take that half hour in the front end and write something detailed, you're going to save yourself tons of time. You're going to save yourself literally hours a week on the back end. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's great. So after Content Brief, what's next? We uh, – so it was writing it, getting it written or whatever. So that is – Oh, I'm so sorry. In the content brief is also where I do the the SERP analysis. I look at the front page of Google mm-hmm. and see, you know, what the search intent is and things like that. That all goes into making the brief. I know some people are going to ask about that, but that all mm-hmm. goes into making the brief, the content brief. So after that, it's promotion and then finally link building. So promotion, again, what I try to do is always think about promotion before the article is written. Uh, it doesn't always happen like that, but here, here's what. I, so what I will think about is, let's say I'm writing a, a post like 27, uh, 21 email marketing tools. So what I will try to do is engineer it in a way that that allows me for the best chance of success. So everybody's gonna write like about Mailchimp, ConvertKit, and all these other big brands and email marketing software. So, you know, I do have those, but then I look for the guys again, like we were talking about with growth bar, who has a good chance of from being flattered that I wrote about them and is willing to, and would be willing to promote me to their group. So I try to like structure that in, into the, into the front end. And so that way I could just send out my, Hey, I wrote about you email and that works really well. Name dropping. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then, so yeah, bake, try to bake promotion into the article if you can. That uh, makes it a lot easier to actually promote. And then, you know, we did the email to the list and we did the social media post and all that stuff. And then finally, it was link building. Yeah. And then we already talked about link yeah, building. So it's essentially that, that yeah. same yeah. piece there. But is anything different from before, though, on I was, how I was, you reach out? And- it was mostly almost almost always guest posting because, again, I could scale guest posting rather quickly and easily versus, like, podcasting and things like that. Like, you know, you could just hire a writer or five writers if you have five links or whatever. You need five links. So, yeah, it was it was mostly guest posting. Some email yeah. outreach, some relationships, but mostly guest posting. Yeah, talk to me about guest posting today because I know that's also crowded and also something that's been around for a long time. So people have kind of, you know, run that playbook into the ground a little bit. But, you know, how do you approach it? Like, what's the way you find? Do you have a post ready to go and then sort of like try to source it to people who want it? Or do you do a more targeted approach where you go to each outlet and then you craft a post just for them? I, I used to do that when I was guest posting for traffic. 
and but I but because traffic is in guest posting is so such a terrible it's so bad I I don't do that anymore and I know maybe that's a faux pas but uh, but yeah I pretty much just write the post and then try to find a place to put it for the most part so yes. but you're trying to write a post that is has a high likelihood or a high chance of oh yeah 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 the post else, isn't going right? to be I mean, bad by any stretch right. it's not a, <laughs> it's not a bad post but it's not like. Like back in 2008, I wrote a post on copyblogger.com, and this was at the height of like guest posting. And I got like, I wrote one guest post. It was like, at the time, 1,200 words was a lot for a blog post. And um, I, I wound up, I will never forget, I got 450 emails in one day. Like that never happens anymore. I don't care what the publication is. Yeah. So, you know, but that was a very different approach than what I'm doing now. That was. I want to write for copy blogger. Let me target a specific piece to copy blogger and, and go from there. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Now I just want the link pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to find something that's, that scales. And if you know that you can build a really great piece of content that has a high likelihood of actually getting posted somewhere, then you might as well just start there and Correct. and then source it later. Yeah. You mentioned something earlier about <laughs> creating content and SEO in sort of a, a really short amount of time and being able to kind of make these like daily, small, you know, chipping away, essentially. What, can you, can you expand on that a little bit? I created, I don't remember talking about that. <laughs> what, what did I say? <laughs> yeah, basically just like doing SEO in like 30 minutes a day, right? Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. How do you so, how do, you so do my pro- marketing when you don't have a lot of time? So that is, so the, I just, I literally go through that process and I spend my 30 minutes per week pretty much on the content brief. And I spend another oh, 10 to 20 minutes per week on keyword research, that kind of thing. So the whole, and then another 10 to 20 minutes per week finding topics. So literally once you get the topic, the keyword research, like you could you could spend an hour at the beginning of a month and have all that done for the month and then you spend your 30 minutes a week on your content briefs you're just going to like I said you're going to save yourself so much time like I like I said I was doing spending two and a half hours editing posts now I spend no time editing very little time editing posts but I spend all that time in the front end and it was we were at, I was at 30 minutes a week doing SEO and wow. link bu- and that included link building and everything like that. Yeah. Because yeah. that was I see, just... I see, I see. And then the other thing that you could do is this. Don't reinvent the wheel every, every with every piece of content. Again, we're not talking about thought leadership content here. We're talking about what's going to grow your business. So before <laughs> this was not very fortuitous, but before COVID, I found out that this was December of 2019 when I first started at, at running with running remote. One of the biggest questions that people had was around co-working spaces. Like, where could I find a co-working space? And so what I wound up doing was creating about 20 or 30 posts. I forget how many it was, but it was literally like co-working space in New York, co-working space in Philadelphia, co-working space in Boston. And you once you have that kind of thing going... Like you don't actually have to really do any other work other than just tell the writer mm. keep the same same format change change the uh, location kind of deal, and that's right. that's going to save you so much time. Again, it's it's kind of like you know a buddy of mine is running a a blog around like tradespeople, and I was like, don't just all you have to do is like trade you know tools for plumbers, tools for tools for electricians, that kind of thing. So if like d- don't keep reinventing the wheel, just kind of create stuff that people are searching for 
and put it up there and make it really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think that one of the keys there too, is that once you have that first sort of model for what a really good piece of content looks for, like, you know, best tools for plumbers. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, okay, now take this and make it for exactly electricians, cleaners, et cetera. And then like, this is like the model. This is like the, the shiny example, yep. the thing that we sort of compare everything against, but also serves as an example to, you know, because somewhere there in the first place, but right. yeah, I, I like that a lot. Cause it's, it's somewhere in between like, programmatic SEO where everything's kind of generated based on these really templatized kind of, you know, a standard kind of box content mm -hmm. and, you know, very personalized boutique, you know, bespoke content, but it's, it's a happy medium that you can scale, but that still has that personal touch. Yeah. So like you can't make it like, so if you're, I'm writing a, a tool, like, you know, best tools for plumbers say, you know, what is, what are people not showing when they do those things? So maybe they're not showing like, Maybe they're not taking, maybe they're not displaying the price. Maybe they're not displaying customer testimonials or use cases or whatever like that, things like that. So, so I would make, you know, best tools for plumbers. And then it has to have these, each, each subsection has to have these three components. It has to have a customer testimonial, has to have the price of the tool, and it has to have a specific use case, right? Versus just some generic features and benefits thing. And then that way you're you, you've created a template but it is a personalized template yes mm. absolutely yeah no that's great what what if people don't find a lot of sort of bottom of funnel keyword ideas that are related to their industry or maybe it's more of like a niche industry maybe kind of like an emerging you know, space where there a lot of like words and nomenclature aren't around there. Do you just have to live with the fact that you just do a lot of, you know, top of funnel content or are there ways to find still a lot of bottom of funnel content that can apply to people? So first of all, you could coin something, if, especially if you're in an emerging niche mm. or industry, coin something that works really well almost all the time. I'm trying to think. So the second thing is don't worry about search volume so much like if you're looking at a tool and it says there's only 10 people per month right searching for this that if it's not competitive that that means you probably could very i'm going to use the word easily relatively you could very easily rank number one and you're going to get more than 10 search 10 visitors a month you're probably going to get in my experience you'll probably get five 50 to 100 visitors a mm. month and the, the thing that I would care about is from that perspective is how are, are those visitors converting? So let's say call, like, and, and is, is there some sort of ROI on that post, especially at bottom of the funnel? So if you spend $500 to write the post and then another five, I'm making this up, $500 to promote it, build links and it ranks number one. So you have a post that you spend $1,000 on. I like to say like, does that return three X my ARR every month? So am I adding nine? And I made that up kind of really. I don't know why three X, but am I adding three the a three um, thousand dollars in ARR every single month from that post? If it's a yes, I don't even care about search volume and if people are actually searching for it. Uh, if a lot of yeah. people are searching for it, but if it's a no, then I won't write it. So. The, then the other thing is, is once you, once you've exhausted all of those and it's, there's, you know, you only have four or five posts, then it's, you got to start creating top of the funnel content and you create top of the funnel content in a way that quote unquote promotes your product or service within 
the within the post. Yeah, yeah. Speaking about search volumes and sort of data and having all all in front of you, I've kind of seen this tension in marketing between what I'd call being very data driven versus being very like intuitive and maybe more kind of creative or you're working based off a of conviction. You know, for example, you might be a really like numbers driven guy and a quant and testing channels and A/B testing and you're really looking at you know search volumes, or you're just kind of going with something because you know that it. it it has worked before, or you think that it'll work based on a hunch, based on a customer conversation, or based on experience, like maybe you said that, that uh, you know, some of those numbers lie. Where do you fall on that spectrum and, and why? It depends on, on what we are talking about here. So if, so I will be very, so like, it was very, very, um, Specifically, at Time Doctor, where we were getting half a million, seven hundred thousand visitors to the site every month, right? We were we were very data driven on our on our on our A/B testing on the homepage, on our pop ups, and the calls to action within the post, excruciatingly data driven. However, when I when I look at an article, a, a topic of an article, a lot of it is just like intuitive. So if I'm like, hey, will this convert? readers and the customers, I'll just kind of intuit that and say, yes, it will at some point in time. I might not know how it will, but just for some, but for some reason, some way, shape or form, I think it will then, then it'll just get written. But, but the, 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 the hard part is like, the hard part is like attribution is so, is so broken. So figuring out how somebody bought something is just so, is so tough and so hard that like being too data driven i think is just at some point in time is detrimental to the growth of your of your site like like for instance i'm on this podcast right now will i get a visitor from will i get a customer from this i have no idea but what i know is somebody's going to listen to it and then maybe they'll read my blog post and then maybe they'll hear me somewhere else and then maybe they'll sign up for my email list maybe they'll read a case study and then five months later they'll become a, a client right and yeah. you know, but I can't attribute. I, I can't wouldn't be able to directly attribute it to this podcast, right? And yeah, so I mean, it's, it's very tough. Yeah, so it's, for content attribution is ex- so hard. Yeah, yep, exactly. So I would say, if you have very a lot of, if you have pretty big data going to a specific site page, whatever, use da- uh, big numbers going to a specific site or page. Use data, and then everything else. I just I'm like, yeah. Like I never split test emails. Do you, do you split test mm. email subject lines? No. Yeah, me either. <laughs> I have no idea yeah. when the best time to send an email is either. I don't. I don't do any of that either. Right, because there's a point of diminishing returns too, exactly. where it's like I could, but am I really going to learn something from this mm-hmm. or figure something else from this? Probably not. It's I, sort of just a, a crapshoot. I'm, I'm guessing. I feel like. I feel like every split test I ever run is within like a percent or two anyway. It's like fifty-two, forty-eight. And again, if you're having seven hundred thousand people to a site, that's a big percent. <laughs> that's a big number. Yeah. But you know, if you have like ten thousand people or whatever on an email list, I don't. That's just not going to move the needle one way or another. Yeah. the The thing I will say is that I think that there's something to be said about continually testing and iterating because, you know, that first test there might only be like you know, a percentage kind of bump or increase. And then the next one, there's maybe another percentage bump or increase. And then you run that for a year and all of a sudden, you know, the conversion rate has doubled. You're like, oh, that's great. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Now, now things are much better, but it took us a year and a lot of time and testing to get there. 
to kind of like figure this out. I, I would say, and when you don't have large numbers, it's just not worth it yet. Yeah, I would say ninety-five percent of the people of of people should not be doing that. They just don't have numbers large enough. Right. I mean, and even and like I think you asked when it comes to search volume. Again, it's just like if if there's it it depends on like I'll go as low as ten. I don't like ten searches a month. I I don't care. They'll. The question is like, how relevant is that to my business or they, the business that I'm marketing? If it's really relevant, then I'm going to write that content and and I'll talk to all ten of those people every month. I don't care. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. What's something on the horizon? Maybe like a emerging technology or a tactic or just a trend that you're seeing uh, that has you excited? Oh, it's not a technology, but it's something that I I I don't have any like artistic flair whatsoever no music talent art talent anything but i love like watching tiktoks and youtube videos and facebook videos of just like all these artists with like these super obscure talents and you're just like holy crap like how did somebody discover that they had this weird obscure talent i spent like an embarrassingly long time the other day watching a video of a guy trying to flip playing cards into like flip playing cards into like watermelons or something just because like <laughs> you know and like yeah so i don't you know he, fl- he flipped it in between a watermelon and then like you know in between like two cds it was just insane and i'm like how do you find out that you have this talent so that is like something i'm really excited about like like if you want to be a painter you get to, you could just paint now if you want to be a singer mm. or dancer just sing or dance and you could build an audience and that just excites the hell out of me i love it yeah what's uh what's something that you brought recently something that might be fun to chat <laughs> through about you know us marketers get marketed to also and so we can think about the buyer's experience and why you bought it but anything that comes to mind for you yeah, so I got the playing cards, like a 12-pack of playing cards, because I recently got into sleight-of-hand card magic through COVID. <laughs> I needed something else to do, and I was always fascinated by sleight-of-hand card magic. And so, yeah, I just I, I bought an online course. Maybe that's more interesting than the cards themselves. But, but yeah, I started watching court, like these card tricks on YouTube, and then, you know, like... Again, what happens is, is when you start watching these card tricks on YouTube, these pu- these guys start with or and gals start with like, you know, they start at step C or D. Again, going back to the content frame personality thing, and I really needed to learn like A and B, so I bought mm. a course <laughs> on uh, from a guy and to learn, you know, these these various sleights of hand, and that's I love it. That's how that happened. Yeah, watching YouTube videos. So what's the course? Was it from like a YouTuber in particular or was it like recommended from somewhere or like how'd you find the course and, and why'd you buy that one? It was from a YouTuber whose name I forgot. The card, the course is called like 52 cards or something like that. And I bought it honestly because it was like $48 and it was like, this is mm. a no brainer. <laughs> Actually, that's a lie. It wasn't a no brainer. You know what the weird thing about this, the $48 or $49 is? If that was for Content Guppy, a course for Content Guppy, it'd be like, yeah, sure, let's do that. It actually took me five minutes to 10 minutes to decide that $49 on a hobby, on a, on a card magic hobby was worth it, which is actually something that, you know, when I think about, it's like, you know, that's weird to me. To, like hmm. the same $49 from my same pocket, but just the application of how it's being spent was was very interesting for me 
Right. Maybe because something Contagapi related could potentially turn into more money later, or it's you know personal development. It's what's interesting. Sure, exactly. I guess. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so it was just weird. It was just kind of interesting. But yeah, it was just a YouTuber. I watched like a hundred of his videos, and then I was like, let me just buy his course and see what, <laughs> see what he's talking about here when he's talking about various sleights of hand. That's great. I'd also love to take a peek into your personal swipe file, as it were, yeah. uh, and get into some marketing examples, campaigns, mm-hmm. copywriting you think is worth saving. Do you have a couple of favorites or examples you could walk me through? Yeah, so I oh, back in 2008 when I first started like getting into copywriting, I started following a guy named John Carlton. He's like an old school copywriter who would send send out, you know, thousands of of mail art mail items, like literal like snail mail to people and see, you know, to get responses. Like people were like cutting out coupons and things like that, mailing it back to get the product. Like that's how that's how, in, like, when you think about it, how insane people were to buy stuff. I don't know. It just feels weird to that's me. That's how bought in they were. Yeah. yeah. Like, that's that's exactly right. That's how good he was. That he, li- like, he literally, not only did he get people to open their wallet, but he literally got them to cut it, fill out an order form by hand, cut it out, mail it back to the company with a check. And then wait. And, so, and then waited for it. <laughs> and then they waited again. Yeah. Waited to see if they would actually even get the product. Because, you know, like, who who knows? But, but yeah, so a couple of them are... Actually, can I, can I just read a couple titles? Yeah, yeah. Um, so what is it? It's like a handbook from him or, like, just his personal swipe file or... It's... It, there are his... It's a handbook from him, but his personal... It, I don't know if it's his personal swipe file, but they're all ads from him. And, okay, like, yeah. my favorite is... And, again, this is, this is hyperbole. So, but you could take the the strategy from it and the the cadence. So it's amazing secret discovered by one-legged golfer, adds 50 yards to your drives, eliminates hooks and slices, and can slash up to 10 strokes from your game almost overnight. So in 2021, that probably doesn't work. But what you can see from this is that you can see the the elements of the thing in there. So basically he's talking, he has a hero in the title, a one-legged golfer, right? He has a result, the 50, the 50 yards to your drives. He has the overcoming objections thing, which is basically like, Oh, if I add 50 yards to my drive, I'm going to hook or I'm going to increase my hook or slice. So he eliminates that. And then he has a time frame of you could eliminate 10 strokes almost overnight. Again, hyperbole, but it's a headline formula that I use all the time and it works still. You know, I wouldn't say it just like that, but yeah, that, but that is well, one that I, mean, I go back to. It has all the ingredients, right? That's one that I go back to all the time. And then, hmm. let me see, where's the other one that I really like? Sorry, one second. Yeah. I am looking for... The fact that you even have a physical I have a, yeah. uh, folder full of it is just amazing. It's a binder, and, uh, yes. and I love it. Yeah, it's a full-on binder. Yes. And it is... Okay. Okay, the, the other one that I love, how to create your first damn good ad in just nine minutes. So, and what he does, this is, this is so brilliant. I'm not going to read the whole ad, but I'm going to tell you the concept of it. 
But what he does is he teaches you all the elements of an ad and walks you through. If you just like literally follow step by step, you'll be able to write an ad, right? You'll be able to get all the components of the ad. You'll get the, you know, whatever he's teaching. I forget exactly, but it's like the introduction, the bullet points, how to create a call to action, all that good stuff. In that, in this, in the ad, he's teaching you how to write the ad, and then he says at the end. If you want to, like, this will get you a B type of a B type of results or something like that. But if you want A plus results, then you should buy my course. And mm. it's kind of like how almost every webinar you <laughs> you ever go on is modeled, except for better, <laughs> because <Right. laughs> because you actually walk out of this, you actually read this ad and walk and finish the ad with something in your hand. And I absolutely with with a tangible ad, right? So, uh, it's just super meta, and it's just absolutely brilliant. And I, it's, that's my that's one of my favorite ads of all time. Amazing. Well, last question for you. Sure. When I say everything is marketing, what does that mean to you? What comes to mind? The first thing that comes to mind is that the way you your pr- company faces the the public and that's everything again everything from uh, your product your customer service your uniforms if you have them your demeanor your brand your voice your tone what you stand for everything not just not just you know your blog or ads or things like that um, impacts the way a potential customer feels about you and your business and whether or not you have a likelihood of acquiring that customer. Hmm. Fantastic. Well, Greg, it's been a pleasure. Appreciate you sharing everything today, explaining all the, the secrets and especially walking us through the binder. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, so appreciate you coming on. No, thank you so much for having me, Corey. It was a blast. Thanks again to Greg for coming on the show. Make sure to check out Content Guppy if you're in market for some help with content. And if you can spare a moment, click on the link in the show notes and pop on Twitter to thank him for sharing everything and let him know what you learned. I have a little snippet, a little tweet kind of prepared and prepped for you already. All you have to do is click on it and then fill in his name. Wrapping up, here are a few of my takeaways. I say it over and over again, but SEO is not rocket science. You can do it just in 30 minutes a day like we talked about in the episode. Everyone can do it. There's no excuse. One of the things that stood out to me about Greg is his resilience. The guy does not give up. It's easy to get discouraged when your content doesn't rank, clients aren't doing well, or you feel the imposter syndrome setting in. Be like Greg. Don't give up. And finally, I had never thought about using SEO to promote a conference, but here we are. Yet another surprising and unique unique take that you can use later on when you have an event or conference you need to drive traffic to. If you've got a question or takeaway you want to share from this episode, you can actually do so in the Swipe Files community. You can chat with guests of the podcast as well as a bunch of other top-notch marketers. Join a community that will help you do your best work and be prolific. Check it out at swipefiles.com slash membership. You can also get my free newsletter, Marketing Weekly. It's a curated digest of the best marketing content in your inbox every Sunday. And finally, check the show notes for all the important links. And if you could do me a quick favor, hit that subscribe button wherever you are and leave a review so more people like yourself can find the show and help me grow the podcast. And with that, I'll see you in the next one.